Hi, and welcome to Kleinversations, Klein ISD's podcast about all things teaching and learning. I'm Monica Schallenberger, and I'll be the host for each episode, and my guests will be rotating educators from all over our school district. This podcast is for anyone wanting to expand their knowledge about teaching and learning, and hear our conversations about the journey of educators being joyful, reflective, transparent, and deliberate about applying their learning to transform the world. Maria Avalle is a family engagement coordinator for Klein ISD. She started her career in our district as one of the first parent liaisons 14 years ago. Before that, she was in English as a foreign language teacher in her native Colombia and in Venezuela. She and her family moved to the U.S. 19 years ago. Maria's role is to provide opportunities for families and staff to work together in supporting students from promise to purpose by assisting campuses and strategically planning sessions. These sessions empower families, provide professional learning to teachers and staff, and coordinate our district's parent university and the parent liaisons in the district. Maria has been married for 29 years to Ruben, and they have three adult children who all have graduated from Klein ISD. You'll hear that her experience as a parent and community member and immigrant bring multiple perspectives that help her to serve in her current role and give content to our topic today. Here's our conversation now. Hi, Maria. I'm so excited to have you as our first guest for the 1920 school year. Welcome. Hi, Monica. Thank you for having me. I think what you do is so important to our district. I love that you are empowering families and teachers and staff to make sure that we are having engagement with our families. And um, one of the most important things is being culturally responsive in the classroom. So I feel like you're a professional that we can really dive deep into this with. Thank you. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Okay. So I know that culturally responsive that those words are kind of like when differentiation came out. There was a lot of different definitions. People didn't really know what to think about it. I know I was intimidated. I'm like, am I culturally responsive? <laughs> um, and so I just want you to just explain what it means to generally be cultural, culturally responsive as an educator. Well, thank you for having me again, because this is a, a conversation that I love having uh, with people, not only in the district, but in my personal life. I'm passionate about cultural awareness. Um, I work with diverse people every day. And I think that this is very important that there's a lot of research. There's like over five decades of research on cultural responsiveness. And one of the definitions that I feel is, is so simple, but it's so complex at the mm -hmm. same time, yeah. is the one given by Darla Deardolph. She is a leader in cross-cultural training from Duke University. And, and she reviewed an, a book with um, Kate Berardo, who is the develop of leadership from Facebook. Okay. And this definition is based on the framework that Deardorff uh, created. Okay. But it says intercultural competence refers to behaving and communicating effectively and appropriately in cross-cultural situations to achieve one's goal. One what? One's goal. Oh, one goal. Okay. So it is just so, so simple, but at the same time says a lot because it talks about communication. It talks about achieving a goal. So mm -hmm. when I look at the classroom as a learning community, our goal is that those students learn and achieve and move from promise to purpose. So a leader in that classroom is a teacher. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to have the tools to communicate and behave effectively with those students. 
I love that. And I love that it talks about essentially one goal because really every, we all are different. We come from different cultures and backgrounds, but it's so important to remember as an educator, but especially as like a human being to just remember that we're all in this together, especially in the classroom. Like everyone's just there to learn and become better humans. Yeah. So I love that you said everyone's on one. One goal. And, and we have to go back to the person we're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to remember. And people have embedded their culture in themselves. So it is important that we acknowledge and validate that, that culture when we are in the classroom. And communicating and behaving appropriately to me is something that can be learned. <laughs> Behaviors can be yes. learned, habits can be learned. And so yes. I, I like that that makes it applicable and easy to understand. Yes. So if a teacher is wanting to self-assess their own culturally responsive capabilities, where do you suggest that they start? Because sometimes they hear that and they're like, okay, I want that. But they're, I mean, that can mean a million different things. So how do you make it tangible and a simple start for people? A simple start that probably is not that simple <laughs> is starting with yourself. Okay. You have to begin with you. Um, I When I do trainings, I hear people saying, oh, I was not aware of my own culture. <laughs> and that is basic. You need to know who you are, where you're coming from, your biases, your assumptions, and work on them before you want to acknowledge and validate other people's culture. So it's not, I say it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy because having that conversation with yourself, it can be uncomfortable and it can be like, I didn't know that I was coming from there and how am I going to work on this? But as you said before, this is something that you can learn and you can train yourself in doing. So the first thing is to look at yourself. So my, my question to you is for someone who might think, I'm not biased. I'm so accepting and welcoming of everyone. Do you think it's okay to say everybody has a bias and assumption? I do think so. Okay. Sometimes we don't realize mm-hmm. it and we don't mean um, anything bad with it. It's because the way that we have uh, been informed either by the media or the way that we grew up or something that was embedded in us when we were little or an experience that I had with people from a different culture. So it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we want to carry that with us. It just means that we are not aware of it. And I have found a lot of times when, when we have the difficult conversations with ourselves about culture and people come and tell me, I didn't know this. I realized that I don't want to be that way. I didn't think that I was that way. Uh, but now I know and I can work on it. So it's, it, there's nothing wrong with discovering that you are biased. What is wrong is just to stay there yeah, and not move. It. Correct. So, for example, you've done a ton of trainings in our district about being culturally responsive, family engagement, et cetera. And in your experience, especially when you get to the biased part of your trainings, yes. I know that people are very comfortable and you've yes. got feedback like this was... <laughs> So awkward, but so great. <laughs> so when you think about those examples that you've had during those trainings, yes. what is a one example of a bias that a teacher realized they had in a classroom mm-hmm. that maybe they didn't know before coming to your training? There's one example uh, that I, and I give it over and over because um, whenever the teachers sometimes receive the roster of kids mm-hmm. and they see those names or somebody comes and tells them, oh, this child comes from immediately one of the reactions that people have and and I understand is not in a mean way is oh for them they come from and immediately there is this uh, 
full picture that they have of the child just because it comes from a country. That's a bias right there. Yeah. That is like, I have learned from about this country. I have learned about this culture and everything that I have learned takes me to say, oh, poor child. Instead of learning about the student, learning where they come from. And oftentimes people are wrong. Um, so it's just one of the examples that I share. And as you say, these conversations, I can read the audience and I love it because I can read mm -hmm. the audience just before the training when we start. And then at the end, it's like almost a sense of relief. Like mm -hmm. we could have the conversation. Yeah. We could talk about it. And, and it, I think it's a difficult conversation, but with culture, we need to talk about culture. Yeah, and my quest for trying to make sure I'm culturally responsive and making sure, or not making sure, just trying to navigate the professional learning waters and making sure that we are going down that yes. road. I've sought out people like you or other staff members that I feel like I've tested the waters with, can I have this conversation first? And then so appreciative that those conversations have turned out so great because they're professional, but we can get down to the nitty gritty of, okay, talk to me about cultural responsive. I've have, I have one coworker here who um, we talk about her culture and we talk about mine and we kind of mesh that together. And I ask questions that are vulnerable questions yes. to ask someone else, but I know that I can trust her. I don't know her very well. I mean, we've had our conversations now, so now I feel like we, we've gotten there, but I'm like, is this okay to say about this? Yes. Because it has to do with her culture. But I genuinely have always had these questions but don't know how to ask them. And so, you know, you can kind of test your waters with coworkers and, and, and have that brave conversation because it needs to happen. And honestly, I've wanted those answers for a long time. And so it's so nice that I had somebody, okay, listen, these are my questions about your culture. Can you help me answer them? Yes. And you you said a, a key word when talking about culture is to make ourselves vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You need to yeah. make yourself vulnerable. Put yourself out there. Be transparent. Say, hey, I don't understand this. I've always heard that this culture, your culture, that's this. Is that true? Why? How come? Another thing that I consider that is very important for people to understand is that the fact that you are getting information from another culture doesn't mean that you have to agree with that mm -hmm. or that you have to change or lose your own culture. I think that this is one of the biggest fears of people. Yeah. If I gather information from other cultures, I may lose who I am. Instead of Viewing that as I am going to earn more tools to work with diverse people. And again, going back to the classroom, we need to be equipped to work with people, with children, with students from different backgrounds. I love that. Earning more tools. I think that's just so good to keep an open mind about period. You know, a lot of times people say don't talk about politics or money, yeah. you know, how much you make. And so I think almost cultural <laughs> responses in this can be put in that category. People think, well, I'm not going to talk about culture, especially with our heightened sensitivity in society right now. And we're not going to get into all that. This isn't a political podcast. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that, I mean, it really does fall under that category. People don't feel comfortable. And then I took an intercultural communication class in college. And I'll never forget my professor talking about the different cultures that they, they visited or how different people communicate in different countries. And I remember thinking, my mind was blown. Mm -hmm. um, they said in one country, I don't want to name it because in case it's the wrong one, <laughs> that on the, the corner street, the street corners, they sit there and they talk about politics with strangers. And people get heated and they have these debates. And when he went to this country, he was like shocked because that would never happen. Well, it depends now. My might, yeah. might happen. <laughs> <laughs> this was 13 minutes ago. But, um, I just remember being blown away that people felt comfortable enough to do that. But around this conversation, you have to be courageous and you have to be brave moving in. Because if not, then how will your 
mind get stretched yeah. and how will you be open-minded? You cannot shy away from cultural conversations. Mm -hmm. Shying away is pretending that it's not happening. Yeah. And we have a responsibility, especially in education. We cannot pretend that we work with people that are all from different cultures. We cannot pretend that we don't. We need to be mindful and acknowledge that. It's uncomfortable. I compare it to when you are in a chair and you want you start feeling uncomfortable. The first thing that you do is to move. You want to adjust yourself. Yeah. And that's with culture. The first thing that you have to do is to move and adjust yourself. This is a, a lifelong journey. This is not something that after you read a book or go to a training, you're going to get a card that says you're culturally competent. Congratulations. <laughs> this is going to be an ever-changing yes, ever journey because every time that you find or that you meet somebody from a different background, you probably are going to have to start all over again in your cultural competence. Yeah, I like that. And moving and adjusting yourself consistently is yes. so important. And really changing that rhetoric in your own mind. I think you said it perfectly when you said we have a responsibility that we to our kids. And I'll never forget working at this one school that had been around a long time. And I didn't think anything of it when I got there. I was just so happy to be there. Yes. And that, that first year I came in, I did not finish hearing about teachers complaining that the demographic had changed. Well, yeah. when I first started working yeah. here, it was like, yeah. This X, Y, and Z demographic. Yeah. And now it's changed. And I kept thinking to myself, yeah, this is a little bit different than some of the other demographics yeah. I've worked in. And it's also similar to some of the schools I've worked in. But either way, like I still, I'd come home and tell my husband, I'm like, it's still, they're just kids still. They're still teenagers. So yes, the culture is different. And I can see a stark difference between this demographic, this demographic, this demographic. But in the end, there's still kids in my class, and I'm teaching them about this content, and I hope they leave better people. But those differences is what makes us special and yeah. good. Yeah. Those differences are the ones that we have to acknowledge, not to change them, yeah. but to celebrate them and to learn how to work with them. As an immigrant, Monica, and I came to this country 19 years ago, yeah. and as an immigrant, I have gone through a lot of stuff culturally, personally, and in my work. Right. And... And it has changed from what it was uh, 20 years ago than what is now, in a good and a bad way. But I think that the good way that it has changed is that people are talking about it, yeah. good or bad, mm -hmm. right, <laughs> for the right or the wrong reasons. But we are talking about it. And as I said, celebrating those differences. I have kids, um, three of my kids, one was born here, the other two were born overseas, but they were all raised in the American culture. Right. And I celebrate the American culture. I celebrate my Hispanic culture. And I like to say that they have the best of both. Yeah. Um, it's for them sometimes it's difficult to kind of fit in one of two because they are both and they are neither. Mm -hmm. Right. They have of both of both cultures and they celebrate and embrace. I think that if we are a little bit more open to acknowledge differences, but to celebrate them instead of chastise them or trying to put them down or away, we are going to be in a better place, especially as educators. I think you said so many poignant things there. So yeah. let me just touch on. So my great-grandfather was from Mexico. Yes. Fun fact about me. If you Fun fact! <laughs> Took a lot of Spanish from college. Still can't teach it, but whatever. <laughs> um, and when he came over to... America, you know, he went to court. They said, okay, the judge told him like, you need to change your name to Frank because your name is too 
is too Mexican right now and yeah. you need to assimilate and mm-hmm. you need to lose your culture. And I remember, again, learning about this in college and how it's changed from assimilation to being individual with your culture and really wearing it proud. So for people that were, and that wasn't overly too long ago, I mean, obviously yes. he's deceased now, but yes. when people are in families that have strongholds and can't break that societal feel of, well, you're in America now or mm-hmm. things like, and, and thinking that and then it, and it permeating into their classroom. Yeah. How do you suggest people move from that mindset? Mm-hmm. I know you said start small yeah. slash big <laughs> and have this uncomfortable conversation with yourself, yes. but Besides that, what are some actionable steps that educators can take to ensure that their students feel welcome no matter what background that they're from? Yes. Well, once you you know about yourself and you have explored your bias and where you are culturally, you need to start finding information. Mm -hmm. You need to start looking for information. And here is where we have to be vulnerable and where we have to use what I call your crew. You need to find your crew. Uh, Those people from different backgrounds than yours that you feel comfortable talking about and asking the difficult questions. Because if you are not equipped with that information, you cannot guide the conversation with your students. Mm -hmm. And you need to have the right information. So the right information is not always the media, Twitter, Facebook, or what the news are saying. The right information is speaking with people who live in that culture people from those backgrounds. They are the ones who can give you information. I am never offended when people ask me about my culture. And I am from, excuse me, from Colombia and South America, and it's different than Mexico. And I have had several occasions when they say, well, but you do these, why not? I'm like, because I'm not Mexican. (laughs) I am from Colombia. And it's different. We all speak Spanish. It's uh, it's America still, but I am not Mexican. and I, I love America, and I want to say that this country has opened its arms to me, and I love the American culture as well. But you have to find your crew. Mm-hmm. You need to find the people who are going to give you unbiased information right. about culture. And then you start building for, from there. So now you have, you have explored yourself culturally, and now you have your information, and you kind of merge those two to start working with your students. Okay, so I have two questions for you from that piece. So when you think about information, besides finding a crew and someone you can have this open and transparent conversation about with cultures, what are some sources that you like? Is there a website that you like or something Mm -hmm. that's just a quick, okay, I'm wanting to dive into this. How can I start to apply this in my classroom? Mm -hmm. Do you have any sources that are your favorites besides, I know you talked about Darla Deerdub earlier. Yes, there are a lot of resources about culture. Mm -hmm. Inclina is the I want to guide people, uh, especially in the classroom, to Kathy Vergara and Multilingual. She has a wonderful training for responsible, uh, culturally responsible teaching. Here in family engagement, we have a lot of resources for responsible family engagement because let us remember that those students belong to a family that is also bringing their culture. And sometimes that student is caught in between the American culture yeah. and their culture. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of resources for them. We like them, whatever resource you find online, that is a scholar resource. Um, you have a lot of universities like Duke University, Harvard University. Those are universities that lead the conversation about cultural awareness. So those are like reliable resources yeah. that you have. You can go to. 
Yeah, and not just somebody's blog post. Absolutely. About. <laughs> With bias opinions. <laughs> and this is what I think. Okay, so when we're talking about like actually getting down to the day-to-day in a classroom. Yes. And lesson planning. Yes. And things like that. I know that when this conversation started, I was still in the classroom and it was, you know, make sure that not all the people that you put in your slide deck look the same. They don't yes. all need to be white or Hispanic or et cetera. Yes. And so that's one actionable step that a teacher can take. What are some other ways through lesson planning can teachers incorporate culturally responsive practices? Well, once that you have built a relationship with your students Mm -hmm. and you know where they are coming from and what their families bring into the table in terms of culture, why not incorporating literature from different authors and I, I talk about literature. I am not a math person. So yeah, I am, me neither. I am, <laughs> I am a, a book person. Yeah. Uh, but what about literature? What about right. exploring different authors? What about in science, exploring um, scientists from other yeah. cultures and other countries? What about providing information about those people? What about learning a word in a different language every day? Those are simple actional act items that are going to make those students feel that they belong to that classroom. And we know that when the students feel that they belong to the classroom, learning happens naturally. Yeah. Yes. And I, I just, I know that like, <clears throat> I love that there's different things happening. Like the next Little Mermaid, I think is going to be Zendaya. Yes, you know, and I just I love that people that. can have their representation. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was talking about um, just different parts of this one culture and it opened my mind just to hear it in a media outlet. So I know that there's different ways that people can, can bring that into the classroom with those examples and just reaching out. And speaking of reaching out, if if they if an educator realizes they're not where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. you said to make sure that they have a conversation with themselves and then they find their crew. Yes. And then with their lesson planning to make sure that they're incorporating these different parts of culture, et cetera. So what kind of professional learning do you suggest to grow in this area that you would think would be helpful for a teacher to apply for this school year, for example? Well, start with cultural awareness. Okay. And for classroom teachers, also uh, cultural responsive teaching. I think that that is very important, where they are going to really find more tools and more practical things that they can do on the day by day. But, Monica, one thing that I want to tell everybody, uh, when you talk about culture, when you uh, do that self-journey mm-hmm. on your cultural awareness, give yourself some grace. Yeah. Uh, be kind to yourself. Cultural conversations are difficult. And sometimes realizing that you are not where you thought you would be, it's going to be a shock. So hug yourself. <laughs> give yourself some grace. It's okay. Yeah. It's a journey. And, and the more you learn about it, the more you're going to fall in love with being culturally aware and culturally open. And I like that the other day you and I had a conversation separate from this podcast and you were saying that culturally responsive too is just being accepting and having an open environment. Yes. It doesn't nat- necessarily mean that, you know, you're do- you're doing something with the exact cultures every single day. There's something incorporated every day. It's also just accepting your students for who they are. It, it really has yeah. to be kind of organic, you know, yeah. like it's going to happen it. naturally. Yes. Don't force it. Start. That's why I say start small. You don't have to pretend to be something that you you are not, especially in culture, because that is going to backfire real yeah, quick. Yeah. So that that has to be a process, a progression. Start with yourself, and then you're going to be discovering things that you can do in a day to day. And I know in that conversation, Monica, you were very transparent, saying it's almost like sometimes we feel that we are forced to do things to be cultural responsive, and it, it shouldn't be the case. And mm-hmm. you are correct. 
this this is a conversation and this has to happen little by little this has to happen organically and naturally as you start your journey and you walk through it so yeah. you have to you have to be cognizant of that and not rush yourself and i think really the learner profile part of personalized learning is lending itself to be hand in hand with this movement it doesn't need to be you know, Maria, tell me about Columbia. I mean, you can actually put this in learner profiles. You can do this as yes. a part of the beginning of, that's why I wanted to have this conversation at the beginning of the year, because I think it's an important place to start. And it can just be basic stuff. Like how does your family operate day to day? Absolutely. You don't have to ask your kids like all these specific questions. No. Like what do you celebrate Christmas? Like, you don't have to go down that no. route. It can start with simple questions about them. And as long as you're open and accepting of them, that is being culturally responsive. And that's the power of building relationships. Mm -hmm. That is also in a strategic framework. Everything begins with that. Yeah. You have to build a relationship with your students when you have to learn more about them in an easy, friendly way. And then you start learning about their cultures without being forceful <laughs> or putting them on the yeah. spot because yeah. we don't want that either. So building relationships is at the foundation of everything that we do in teaching and learning, and especially when we talk about culture. Okay, that's awesome. All right, well, that concludes our culturally responsive part of our podcast. <laughs> so I'd love for you to share a celebration from the district in connection to teaching and learning. Oh, well, you said at the beginning, Monica, and you said in the in the recent years, the district has opened the conversation about mm -hmm. culture. And of course, I have to give a shout out uh, to a conversation about family engagement uh, because it's, it's always been there. But now yeah. we see that people are intentionally talking about it and planning and working with families and working uh, to include diverse cultures. So I love it. That's something that I want to celebrate from everybody in the district. Which we're going to have that family engagement topic with Ali Martin. That, it's and a not great next advocate. episode, but the next one. Oh, they really are parallel with each other. You can't yes. accept a kid without accepting their family. Yes. And that means everything that that involves. Does it mean a super involved parent? a parent that's not super involved, yes. something in the middle, and then everything that entails what their family life looks like. That shapes kids. I that mean, shapes We kids. can all look back to our high school years, childhood years, and know that those things shaped us as well. So. And, and culture shapes families. Yeah. So they have they so come together. It's shaping them. Yes. It's a big piece of clay. Okay. So what's one favorite thing in education in general right now? I come from a family of educators. My grandmother was a teacher. Mm -hmm. My mother was a teacher, a former principal in my country. Um... And I, I think that I've seen the progression of education and now being in Klein ISD, that is such an innovative district, the student-led learning. Yeah. I love when I go to schools and walk by the classrooms and see students leading the learning. I think that is so powerful and these young minds are so brilliant and giving them the opportunity to explore and do things and learn. And the teacher being that facilitator and guide I love it. I think that is a celebration and something that I love from, from education. I now. agree. Yes. Young leadership empowerment. Yes. Okay, so what's one favorite thing in general right now, just in life? Right now in life, football is back. Yes. <laughs> love football. Yeah. We have a fantasy league. And oh, my family, yes, we are a serious family when it comes to football. <laughs> uh, we love soccer. My son plays soccer, okay. so we are a soccer family, but we love football as well. So it's college football is back, professional football is back. Love it. Love it, love it. I do too. The, <laughs> the sound of, of whistles and yes, and then the fall leaves and we're all drinking our pumpkin spice latte. It's exciting. <laughs> so basic. Okay, so I let's talk about one favorite book, and it doesn't have to be education related. 
My favorite book of all times is all The time. Alchemist. Okay. It's written by Paulo Coelho. He's a Brazilian uh, writer. And The Alchemist is meant to be a novel. It's a very short novel. Okay. But it really is a self-improvement um, book. Really? And the, the good thing about this book is okay. I've read it several times at different stages of my life, and it speaks differently to you every single time. Really? But my like favorite that. quote in that book uh, because I am a dreamer. <laughs> so my favorite quote is, when you really want something to happen, the whole universe will conspire so that your wish comes true. I think that it gives you a sense of hope and possibility. And 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 I, I really recommend that you, if you haven't read it, it's fantastic. Well, I just so enjoyed having you on Thank our you. podcast. I just love that you are truly establishing a culture of trust, partnership, and collaboration through all the things you're doing. I know that your main um, part of your position is family engagement. Like I said, though, they're so parallel with cultural responses. Absolutely. I knew you'd be such a good guest for this. So thank you. Thank for you, Monica. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this conversation Maria and I had today. This topic is perfect to kick off our New Year of Conversations episodes. You might have noticed from our released fall guest schedule, we're moving to a monthly episode for this 1920 school year. I will link the fall schedule in the show notes for you to look at later. Now back to today's content. It's so important that we continue to communicate about our diverse classrooms and the environment our students are learning in. Maria offered relevant ways to assess your own cultural responsive mindset by first evaluating where you are at, including contemplating your own biases and assumptions. I appreciate that her next step to becoming more aware is seeking out a crew that will have these vulnerable conversations with you in a safe place. And last, I think it's important that she points out that you can start incorporating the backgrounds of your students by choosing authors and scientists from different backgrounds learning new languages, and showing your students that you care about where they come from in an organic way. I put some resources in our show notes for you to dig deeper, and I encourage you to keep an open mind as you navigate your journey to being responsive to the cultural needs of our students. Until next time, here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.